Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco, and I am the Deputy Editor of Southside Technology. Once again, I am joined by no one. Uh, I am recording this right now by myself due to uh, myself traveling, due, due to the fact that I was down in Miami Beach for SIFMA Ops. Once again, Anthony and I weren't able to cross, cross paths, so uh, a little bit in a little bit. Anthony's going to call me up, and we're going to record something over the phone. Uh, rest assured, this is the this will be the last time we'll do this for a while, as we'll both back be in the office together uh, for the uh, ongoing weeks. So rest assured, this is the last time you'll have to deal with this. But for the time being, it is what it is, so here we are. Um, so I guess to start, you know, Anthony and I are going to talk a lot about my cover story on uh, NASDAQ CEO Bob Greenfield, but... Uh, you know, I guess I could talk a little bit about SIFMA Ops. Um, I've written a bunch on it already. Um, you know, I wrote my opinion piece on it this week. Um, the thing first to take away from SIFMA Ops is that it's an operations conference, obviously, from the name. So it's not like our conferences that are, you know, hardcore technology. These are, these are ops folks that obviously deal very much very heavily in technology but also deal in a lot of other areas that don't we don't necessarily touch on so for them you know the biggest topics that they cover that also are in our realm are you know as i mentioned in the painting these t plus two cat and blockchain um so let me just talk a little bit about blockchain because i haven't written any pieces on i wrote a piece on t2 um i'm gonna write something on cat uh so with blockchain the second day we had uh two panels we had the uh, fireside chat with chris church who's the uh, chief business development officer and we also had intersection of blockchain and financial services that emmanuel do uh director of credit suisse led and that had a uh, jacob farber the general counsel for r3 consortium uh that you know has all those banks marco santori uh partner at pillsbury winthrop shaw Pittman. that's a you know a big law firm involved with the blockchain movement and uh uh, McNamara, uh, the principal of PwC consultant. So, uh, you know, for the first one with uh, Chris Church of Digital, Digital Asset Holdings, you know, I'll give him credit. Him and Jacob, they both said right off the bat, you know, Chris kind of made the joke. I know a lot of you believe this is hype, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And we'll try to avoid that. And and Jacob kind of poked fun saying that some of the evangelists will, you know, consider this the end-all, be-all technology. So there is a little bit of self-awareness there. But, you know... I heard at these panels, I heard blockchain compared to, Chris compared it to the internet at one point. Said, oh, this is like the early stages of the internet. Um, you know, I think, I believe it was Jacob that made the comparison to, I think it was YouTube. He didn't go as far as the internet, but he said this is similar as the early days of the YouTube. We're kind of saying the YouTube. As YouTube, kind of saying people don't know what to do with it or where to go. I mean, a lot of hyperbole around this. Listen, I understand it's going to be disruptive in the, post-trade, you know, settlement uh, uh, segment of financial services. But to compare it to the internet, I mean, guys, let's take a step back and, and recognize what we're talking about. The internet, like, revolutionized the world. It changed everything. Blockchain is not going to revolutionize the world in the same sense. You know, uh, it's, I think it's a little bit overblown and, uh, you know, it, it cracks me up. My, my biggest thing I've written about this before is trying to get real answers, getting solid, you know, descriptive. That's what I, you know, it comes to the point now, every, I, I get an email a day from a PR person saying, Hey, so-and-so from so-and-so firm wants to talk to you about why blockchain is going to change everything. 
Well, no, I, I really don't care about that anymore. If you have a specific solution, platform, especially something that maybe I haven't seen before, you know, look at Suresh Kumar over the B, the CIO at BNY Mellon. You know, I spoke to him this week about the work he's doing with blockchain as kind of a resiliency, as kind of a backup, which I hadn't heard before. I found it very interesting, so I wrote about it. Uh, you know, so especially, you know, with with the, the, the fireside chat with Chris Church, there were, you know, they took questions from the audience one point someone said you know what are the cost savings you're seeing in australia and his answer you know the long and short of it was well we don't have an answer yet okay so then another another person excuse me if you hear some stuff in the background i'm just kind of going through some pages someone else said well how proven it is how proven is it to scale and he said you know well it, it hasn't been solved yet but we're working on it so we will and it was it was you know kind of these fluff answers and you know at one point he said well you know, back in the day when you would download a movie, it would take you 20 minutes and now it takes you 20 seconds. So if that's the case, then I'm sure we can figure it out. Well, what kind of answer is that? Like, that's not, you know, that's just, I don't know. It, it's frustrating. I'm, I'm really getting frustrated. I don't need to go on a rant. I'm really getting frustrated with the whole blockchain movement and how it, it you know, it really seems like it's the very few that have a strong concept of it. And then the rest, everybody else doesn't really fully understand it, but they know that it's going to be important. And it's going to be impactful to the industries. So you have everybody kind of linking arms and holding on tight and saying, well, if we all go together, then no one will get left behind. It's the pack mentality. It's the, if all the, as long as you're not the slowest gazelle, you're not going to get picked off by the cheetah. So that, that's what it really seems like to me. Um, you know, some other stuff, the cat was talked about a lot, and it really seems like those in the industry do not believe that this timeline that has been set up is at all practical. Um, there was a panel on that also. You had folks from Goldman, um, folks from, uh, I believe it's Credit Suisse, that, uh, you know, were discussing it and essentially saying that this is, you know, this is not practical at all, this implementation timeline. Um, it, it needs to be changed somewhat so. I mean, that's that's going to be interesting as well, because that's a huge project. It seems like the ball's been rolling on it, but where we go from here, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into Cat, because I talked about Cat last week, so it is what it is. Overall, uh, it was a good conference, though. Met a ton of interesting, smart folks, as you always tend to do at, at things like these. Uh, Miami Beach is phenomenal. It was my first time there. It was incredible. But I'm going to get into all that with Anthony, and like I said, I'm going to get into my cover story with Anthony. So I think that's it for, for me for now. So let's pause and uh, we'll have uh, Anthony calling. All right. Uh, so this is Anthony Malikian, U.S. editor. Uh, I'm calling in now to Dan. I'm calling Dan. Dan basically puts all this together on his computer, and I want no part of that. Like anything that adds really extra work for me, I really want no part of. So I just dump all that on Dan. But I at least did make the effort today to call him. You know, so I can uh, at least help him out through this uh, whole process of of at least putting together some insightful content uh, into this podcast. Because I'm sure you're all tired of hearing Dan just drone on and on um, about the stuff that he's working on. <laughs> so uh, I am the ma- I am the mastermind. I, I hold all the all the chess pieces. Yeah, so I can yeah. control what goes in and out. Okay, puppet master. So I tell us, tell me about Miami. Um, yeah, I was down in Boca uh, in what was it, uh, March? Uh, it was pretty nice down there. I'm assuming that Miami was probably pretty crappy weather down there. 
Yeah, no, it was awful. You know, 88 degrees, um, sunny, the beach. It was uh, it was terrible. No, it, you were at the beach. I don't think I, I don't think you had permission to go to the beach. I think you're supposed to be down there working. Well, technically, I was in staying in Miami Beach. So even when I was at the the conference, you know, pounding away on my keyboard, making sure I get a plenty of content for the site, yeah. I still was technically at the beach. Uh, no, it, it was it was a lot different than I've been to Florida before, but let me preface it by saying I've been to Orlando, which is kind of its own, you know, bubble, yeah. um, you know, Disney World, obviously. Miami and Miami Beach, it's uh, it's a different world, man. I don't know if it was because of where I was staying. So I was staying in Mid-Beach um, at a pretty nice hotel. The conference was at the Fontaine, the Fontainebleau. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not staying at the Fontainebleau. I was about a quarter mile down the road at another very nice hotel. And, uh, yeah, you know, if you've ever seen the show Ballers with uh, The Rock, mm-hmm. it reminded me of that. Like, it was literally, like, it was very, everyone's wearing, you know, the cool hats, and everyone's at the side of the pool, and there's service everywhere, and everyone's drinking and having a good time. And you're like, wait, hold on, it's Tuesday at 2. How are you all doing? This shouldn't should be working, but it's just the life they live. And lots of expensive cars, and people walking around with their shirts off. It was uh, it was a surreal experience for sure. Yeah, well, it sounds like a terrible experience, so um, I'm, I will be sure not to send you. Because last year, SIFMA Ops was in San Diego last year, right? Right. So last year it was in San Diego, which obviously is a beautiful place as well, but it wasn't. So for those of you that aren't familiar with San Diego, there's kind of like the metro area where like Pico Park is and where Gas Clamp is, which is cool, but it's not like, beachy and then if you go north uh, a little bit north then there's like you know the whole uh, pacific beach and the actual beach area it's like a beach town so miami beach is all beach like you know actual the island of miami beach is not even a mile wide um it's long so anywhere you're you are on miami beach you're right on the beach so you know as opposed to last year where you're going to the conference and you're still kind of in like a metro city area this year, you know, you walk out of the Fontainebleau and you look to your left and the ocean's right there and people are sitting out. So uh, it, it was really cool. It was, um, I got to have some Cuban food. That was cool. Um, it was it was interesting because I'm a big, I like walking. I just like exploring. So it, the first night I was there, I kind of walked south of my hotel down to like South Beach or towards South Beach, not really knowing what to expect. And it goes from very quickly, not very quickly, it goes from, you know, really nice, upscale hotels with like the beach with like the beach right there and the pool right there to like really like you know for lack of a better analogy jersey shore type um you know souvenir shops you know the thing that says like i'm in miami i'm in miami beach you know yeah you know stuff like that so it was kind of ironic funny how it goes from like really high-end nice stuff to just you know typical neon stuff but it was good the the thursday night or wednesday night uh, Broadridge sponsored, they were one of the big sponsors there. They had a, uh, a big event at the club live, mm-hmm. which is like, that's like where, you know, when the Miami heat won the, the NBA championship, they had a party at this club live and never has that club seen so many old white dudes um, <laughs> there. It was, and it was funny because they had it. So they had the, it from like six thirty to nine thirty, And then we left and uh, there was like a, a drink reception by someone else and then we had to walk past by the club afterwards to, like, leave. And this was around, like, 11.30 on a Wednesday. And all of a sudden, like, the, the normal live crowd is there. And it was quite different, quite a different clientele from what was in there when, when we were in there. But 
all always a good trip. I met a ton of great people. Uh, the panels were great. You know, I wrote, I, I wrote a, a few things. Uh, Anthony, from what you saw that kind of came up to me, what caught your interest the most? Uh, for me, the the most interesting thing was the Internet of Things and uh, how that's you know going to be considered the biggest cyber threat. Uh, who is it? Shertov uh, was saying that you know it's you, what you what people don't understand is about the Internet of Things is yeah, yeah you might not be investing in the, the devices of the Internet of Things as you know I wrote an article about um, a feature about you know how the Internet of Things is going to play in the capital markets, but what you don't realize is that the refrigerator that's used. Um, in you know your office is going to be connected to your net. What the hell are you doing back there? What what is all that banging around right now? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Jesus, I'm, man. I'm moving some papers around. I'm moving some papers around. It sounds like there's a herd of buffalo charging through your room right now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a big guy, so anytime I move, lots of uh, lots of there's lots of sound. But sorry, okay. continue. So Internet of Things. So that one, yeah, that was. I think that's just the most interesting thing that you know people are going to have much more access points into offices than they've ever had before, and you know through you know it, it's funny because like really if you do security um, or if you want to steal something. The best thing to do is like when a company is throwing out their uh, their fax machines or their printers, um, all that stuff that's printed on it is stored, you know, on the device itself. So you can really have access to some really, if you don't clear out the memory, destroy the memory and everything like that. Um, this is going to take it to a whole different level. Um, so I think that was uh, most interesting. Obviously, you're going to talk a lot about um, uh, your your articles and and stuff down there, so we don't have to get into that. But um, this week, the Waters features came out um, for the May issue. Um, you did the cover story on uh, the legendary Bob Graffeld over at uh, NASDAQ. Uh, what were some of uh, what was maybe the interesting takeaway for you there? Yeah, so two takeaways, uh, two kind of quick anecdotes. One, uh, Bob's a, uh, he, he's a he's an interesting guy. He, he's funny. And, you know, you say that and you're like, Oh, is it really funny? So I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the questions I asked him, I said, what's the hardest decision you've had to make as CEO at NASDAQ? And without a pause, right away, he goes, taking this interview. <laughs> <laughs> or not, I'm sorry, no, I, oh, I screwed up that joke. It was, Boo! What's the worst decision you've made while as NASDAQ CEO? And he said, taking this interview. So that was, uh, that was, that was just, he shows how kind of quick-witted he is and how sharp he is. Um, and then another funny story. So, you know, the challenge with this piece was that a lot has been written about him, obviously, already. Like, he's been profiled a lot already. So you don't want to kind of copycat or just kind of reiterate things that, have, that people have heard. So one thing that's kind of been written a lot about is the fact that when he was at NYU, his thesis was on basically electri electronifying NASDAQ. And it's kind of like, oh, my God, you know, years before he became CEO, he wrote about NASDAQ. And what a perfect fit. Like, you know, weaker journalists than I have made that comparison. You know, obviously, I, I take it to the next level talking about turtles and whatnot. But, um, but what, so I asked him about it. I said, what's the deal? You know, why the thesis on NASDAQ? And he said, to be honest, he said he, I forget exactly, it's 60-something credits to, um, it's 68 credits, right? And 60 of them are in the classroom, and then eight is for the thesis. And he did all the classroom, and then you have, you know, I think it's a year, a year and a half to get your thesis done. And 
he moved out to Long Island. He was living out in Long Island. And, you know, as I've written in the story, he had a good job. He wasn't doing this to, you know, get a better paying job. He was doing this to kind of more, you know, well be a well-rounded person. And uh, he was kind of getting to the tail end of the deadline for the thesis. And his wife had just gotten pregnant. And he kind of realized, all right, it's time to, you know, get off the pot or what, because I need to get something or this is all going to be for naught. So he ended up just doing essentially what he was doing at his company, which was looking to electronify the NASDAQ market. But it wasn't like some love story of where he had fallen in love with NASDAQ and then years later he got the opportunity. It was basically like it was killing two birds with one stone. And he told me, he's like, that fall, you know, I didn't rake the leaves, so it kind of ruined my front lawn, but I had to get my thesis done so I could get my MBA. So that was just another kind of funny anecdote I saw. And, you know, he also told me that throughout his entire year, as somebody that commuted, uh, his his train that he would take out of Metro North, he's living in upstate, his train would leave at 9.20 and classes would end at 9.10. So he'd have to leave class every single time, every single night at 8.50 to make the 9.20 or else he'd have to take the 10.20. So basically his entire, you know, academic career, he never saw like the last, uh, he never he never saw the last 20 minutes of class. Um, but still, you know, managed to be. Why couldn't you know, he just take the 10.20? <laughs> well, nobody wants. And then you got to sit around. And that's Grand Central, and you know, I, somebody that has had to, uh, you know, take many a trains out of that station commuting. I, I don't blame it. But Dad, no, I thought he was an interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, I'm cut you off and just say that so far you're doing a terrible job on this interview. You've been moving around papers, making a lot of noise. You've twice now hit the number button to make a beeping sound. You know, I just you you really no, got to be better hit. at this. I have the number button at all i don't know what that, you're talking about oh well then there's something hey, listen, that's if you good. really would if, if you really would have cared about this podcast you would have come up to my apartment on the upper east side and we recorded it in person so you know um, i don't go north you know. of 14th street <laughs> uh no i thought i thought he was a good guy i thought he, i was glad he was so open you know he, he was willing to talk about iex he was willing to talk about hfc um and uh i thought he was pretty blunt about it so you know hopefully the people that you know got to check it out enjoyed it and uh didn't think i went too soft on him um, I don't think I did, and uh, yeah, I, th- I thought he was. Uh, I'm glad he, he was willing to sit down with us, and I'm glad we got the profile. Okay, and um, yeah, we've had most every other major exchange uh, CEO, CIO, CTO, something like that on the cover. So it was um, that was definitely a missing piece of the link. So it's good uh, that we were able to sit down and chat with him. Um, but enough about me. I mean, what's what's been going on? You know, kind of we're, we've reversed roles now. Last you know last week you were down in in Charlotte, so uh, Raleigh. Um, so what what have what have I missed? What's been going on at the water office? What have you been working on? Oh, I mean, for me, I've just been uh, locked in, uh, mainly worrying about fixed income this week. Um, Electronify. Before I actually went away uh, on vacation, I sat down with. Um, with uh, Amar uh, Kuchinad over at uh, Electronify, he's the CEO there, and just to talk about how their progress has been, um, you know, kind of just see where they're at, see where they're trying to go to, um, and so they're saying that uh, they would like to um, double the users that are set up on the system by the end of the year and triple their active users by the end of the year. Um, right now they have about, uh, what is it? Uh, 400 traders have been set up on the system, uh, 125 on average login every day. And then about 25 on average, again, are actively entering orders on any given day. Um, so he wants to significantly juice, uh, juice up those numbers. So they've been adding to their sales staff, um, 
Them and True Mid most often get put together. We recently did, talked about uh, True Mid uh, launching their new uh, on-demand uh, sessions uh, to their platform, uh, which should be going live, I think, this month. And so, let, you know, it just seemed like the right time just to get caught up with Electronify, see what they're doing. Hopefully, the readers find uh, that end of the market interesting. And then, um, what was it at uh, Natus? Uh, there was a good the, the panel that I expertly moderated uh, looked at uh, all to all trading platforms, and you know, people keep on really driving home that this is the way to go all to all, um, and that's also going to mean the end of single dealer platforms. Yeah, um, it's just one of those things, you know, that we these were some high-level people from some major uh, banks and brokerages. So it was just interesting to see that, you know, they're all still banging the drum hard uh, on all to all. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, you had Victor's uh, feature went up on Agile. It's part two. Um, uh, people should definitely check that out. Agile uh, development is really the way forward. Um, for it's going to be the way forward for a lot of firms, especially at some of the bigger firms, um, as technology keeps on changing uh, exponentially quickly. Um, outside of that, you know, it's been the SIFMA stuff, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, fair and enough. Yeah. I, I Well, I would just say that, uh, you know, that's the, the most important thing that's going to happen this week is tomorrow um, we have the uh, Kentucky Derby in, at you know about 6.34 uh, is post time. And then uh, we have a big uh, fight later on that night. The first Saturday of May is like always my favorite because there's always the Kentucky Derby and then there's always a big fight. Usually it would be Floyd Mayweather fighting, um, but since he retired, uh, it's going to be uh, Canelo Alvarez versus Amir Khan. Um, probably will end in a knockout, probably will end in Alvarez victory, but it should be fun for as long as it lasts. All right, so since you're one of, like, 15 people that still cares about boxing, we won't yeah. talk about that. But the Derby, everybody likes the Derby, everybody likes getting dressed up. What I, I heard, I've heard this horse Nyquist, right? Is that, yeah. is that the big one? What's, what, who's the favorite? What's the deal? Yeah, Nyquist, he's undefeated in his career, uh, 7-0, seven, seven oh, uh, been fantastic. I think Nyquist is going to lose. Um, I I I know he's been impressive. I know what he's done is great, but he's not putting up huge speed numbers. Um, I there are about four uh, four horses that I like outside. I haven't really had a chance to properly dope out this race yet, but um, if people are looking for some outside bets, um, Exaggerator uh, he looked like a monster in the Santa Anita Derby, uh, and he's sired by Curlin. Um, near and dear to my heart, probably your heart. Sudden breaking news uh, is another horse I like. Uh, he's going off right now, mm. 20 to one. Uh, he's a gelding, and only two geldings have won uh, in the 2000s. Uh, funny side and my what, bird. What does gelding mean? No nuts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, so he, he had an excellent campaign as a two-year-old. Um, but in lesser races, uh, hasn't been that great. Uh, his three-year-old campaign, I'm hoping for him to have a big, a big day. Um, another one is, uh, Mo Tom, uh, he's sired by Uncle Mo and Indian Charlie, uh, which is a common theme in this race. Nyquist also sired by, uh, uh, Mo and Uncle, uh, and Indian Charlie. Uh, so good bloodlines there. Slow bears, but, uh, slow speed, uh, scores, but could be in for a big race. 
And then Johnny Velasquez, I love him as a jockey. Uh, he's on Outwork, um, the horse Outwork, and he'll be on the outside. Um, again, Uncle Mo, Indian Charlie. Uh, his problem is that he might try and blow right to the lead. If Johnny can control him then uh, and not make sure that he just turns this into an absolute speed race, then uh, he could be a horse to look closing at the end. Yeah. Quick, quick question, quick question for you. So I was listening to a podcast that Paul LaDuca, yes, the, yeah. the Paul LaDuca, the Dodger, and, and he's a big horse racing guy yep. now. Um, and he said that this race features a lot of horses that are, like, late burners. Like, yep. they won't come out the gate fast, but they burn late. Is that true, and how will that affect the race? Well, yeah, it is true, and, and Paul, he's he's been active. It's funny that he's become like it's kind of like uh, who's it? Brad Darty now is like an M- NASCAR expert when he was the center for the Cavaliers all those years. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, um, what that means is you you'll kind of have a good feel for how the race is going to go right off the bat. If this is a toward pace, the first you know quarter mile, half mile, then it'll be really inter- you know it'll be interesting to see. Though you know how many of those late speed horses get caught up in that, um, if it's a nice slow steady pace uh, going through the quarter and then the half, then that could really set up a really exciting um, final stretch, final quarter mile, um, where all these horses that have saved their energy and are ready to go just go shooting down the stretch. You could have a nice little five six horse you know um, uh, field coming in at the end. So, I mean, it, this is a great horse to not bet on the favorite. Spread out your money in, with trifectas and exactas. Try and find some good value um, because I would not be shocked if Nyquist doesn't win. Everybody's. I was at um, Belmont when American Pharoah won last year, and it's the greatest sporting event I've ever been to in my life. The crowd, the noise still makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. But um, everybody was like, oh, well, American Pharoah did it. So, naturally, it's going to happen again. American Pharoah was <laughs> absolute special monster of a horse so i you know if nyquist wins great fantastic but um yeah uh i'm going exaggerator sun breaking news motom outwork and then uh victor espinosa who's been winning these things left and right he's on whitmore whitmore is also a gelding too so um maybe those are the five other horses i would consider if uh if you're looking for some exotics all right fair enough uh anything else you'd like to uh, touch on or mention. I know this kind of sucks. This has been two weeks straight that we've done this, but fear not, we will be reunited uh, next week uh, for sure. But anything else before uh, I'll let you go. That's, that's all good, man. I, I look forward to seeing you again. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been two weeks, so that's a bummer. But uh, but thanks for uh, calling in, and I'm glad we can make this uh, work. All right, man. Catch you later. All right, so that's just about going to do it for this week. Before I let you go, uh, first, the Cellside Technology Award write-ups are up. Uh, I will provide the link at the bottom, but definitely check that out. Some, you know, great information about why these particular vendors, you know, were so deserving. We did a, you know, quick write-ups. It's a quick read in case you're in the market for any of those type of products. You're looking, you know, I think it's valuable stuff for the readers. Um, one other announcement so this is kind of exciting news. You know, we've been at this. This is episode 16. We've been at this four months now. It's kind of crazy that we've been able to sustain this for four months. We appreciate, you know, we have a hardcore 
you know, loyal group of listeners that, you know, tune in every week. So we really appreciate you and appreciate your feedback. Uh, some news for you all. We are bringing in guests. Uh, so the first guest, it's going to be a couple weeks. Uh, we have him lined up as the first guest. He's going to be great. Very excited to have him. It's a big get for us, especially as our first guest. And uh, I think it'll be a really productive and interesting conversation. And we want to get more guests. So if you're listening right now and you're an interesting person and you can talk about fintech or more importantly, you can talk about other things besides fintech, like sports or, you know, horse racing or music or movies, whatever, uh, we want to hear from you. Um, we love to hear from pe- interesting people in the industry that have thoughts not just on, you know, stuff that's going on in their space, but just stuff that's going on in the general world. So, you know, reach out to us. My email address is at the bottom of the page. I'd love to hear from you and maybe we could set up a chat. Uh, but yeah, going forward, we're going to try to get uh, at least one guest every week, one guest every week um, to talk about some trends they're seeing in the industry or in the space. So let us know. Reach out. Don't be bashful. And uh, hopefully we can set something up. But I think that's it for me now from the week for the week. Uh, next week, we will be back to normal. Uh, I will be in the office like, I, like we were talking about. We'll be in the office and talking together. We'll be back to your regular schedule of programming. But for now, you have to deal with this one more time with the uh, semi-crappy audio. But so happy you joined in. And, uh, you know, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.